Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome. Liverpool Community Radio. My name is Frank Griffith, and you're listening to The Jazz Cavern. It's a monthly program on LCR playing jazz and related tracks as well as conversing with guests on matters jazz and live music and Liverpool in outlying areas. I'm Frank Griffith, a Liverpool resident, but as you might have gathered, not a native. I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, and I've been living in Liverpool for about three years now. And um, I'm a saxophonist, clarinetist, composer, arranger, and I play frequently in the Liverpool and Northwest area. I'm also an educator and direct the Penny Lane Jazz Workshop, which meets weekly at the Elm Hall Methodist Church in Mossley Hill. We haven't actually started up our um, sessions yet because of Moss, uh, because of the COVID, obviously, but we'll be starting again in um, the month of um, June. And if you want to log on to our Facebook page, Penny Lane Jazz Workshop, for more um, information about it. We're also having, planning on having guests on a regular basis during the show, and our guest today will be appearing at about 3.30, about an hour from now, and his name is Jonathan Butters. He's a drummer, very active on the scene here in Liverpool, has been for many years. And he's involved in a lot of other things besides drumming. He uh, works in the area of promoting jazz as well. And his name is, full name is Jonathan Anthony Butters and has made an acronym out of that and is known informally as Jab, Jab. Jab will be joining us in a minute. Uh, actually, an hour, not a minute. But we hope you enjoy today's maiden voyage. Today is our first day, our first show, and we hope to be here um, indefinitely and welcome you to share the first version, the first outing of the Jazz Cavern. We're going to go to some cool jazz to start with, which will be sort of a, a sub-theme of today's show. And uh, we're going to start with a number by Johnny Mandel from a movie in the 1959. It was, it was made, and it's a theme song to the movie featuring the Jerry Mulligan Ensemble at the time, and uh, the movie was called 
The movie was called um, I Want to Live, starring Susan Hayward. And it's the theme song, as I said, called Barbara's Theme. Actually, a piece called um, the not the title of which was um, a song from the Birth of the Cool CD album, made in 1949, and it featured the Miles Davis Nonette, and the title of which was Rouge, uh, written by John Lewis, and this was a very important album. And it kicked off the cool movement in jazz. Now, I announced to you earlier, rather clumsily, 
that we were going to hear Barbara's theme by Johnny Mandel, but in fact we'll be hearing that shortly. So we had Barbara, uh, we had Bertha the Cool, nineteen forty-nine, Miles Nonette, um, called a title called um, Rouge, and included in that band were very, very major and important jazz names like John Lewis on piano, Jerry Mulligan on baritone sax, Lee Konitz on alto sax, uh, Max Roach on drums, and uh, other players um, forming a nonette, a nine-piece band, of course. And we're now going to move along to the uh, Johnny Mandel track. Sorry about that mistake earlier. And this is a, a theme song from I Want to Live. And Tyler, which, of course, is Barbara's theme and recorded in 1959.
That was called Frisco Club, also written by Johnny Mandel from the movie I Want to Live, starring Susan Hayward in 1950. Actually, it was 1959, uh, and of course preceded by Barbara's theme, which of course is a uh, sort of theme song to the movie. So pretty nifty sounds there. Featuring Jerry Mulligan, uh, 12 Tet, a group of about 11 or 12 musicians. Uh, Just a wonderful, wonderful sound, the West Coast sound, which, as I said before, was related to the cool sound, which meant that it wasn't quite as bright and sharp uh, rhythmically as the bebop period, which sort of preceded the cool period, Um, the New York very aggressive and um, very, very exciting and challenging jazz, which uh, was cooled down sufficiently through the efforts of Miles Davis and uh, Jerry Mulligan, Gil Evans, all kinds of great musicians. Slee Konitz, another good example of a cool player. Uh, we're now uh, going to move into a more, um, I guess you could say, cool but Vocally cool, meaning, uh, in this case, one of the great iconic singers of all time, Peggy Lee, who, of course, got her start with the um, Benny Goodman Band in the uh, 1940s, early 1940s. I think it was 1941 where she recorded her first hit uh, called Why Don't You Do Right with Benny's Band. And we'll be hearing that track at some stage. But this is a recording she did nearly 20 years later. Um with uh, arrangements by Quincy Jones. Quincy, of course, uh, being such an iconic figure in jazz, uh, who's still with us, nearing the age of 90, I believe. And this is his arrangement. Um, Actually, we're going to hear Quincy's, uh, yeah, his his arrangement of uh, a standard type of swing ting that you, uh, many listeners, will be familiar with. It's been recorded by a lot of singers. Kansas City by Peggy... Lee, here we go. I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. They got some swing a little bit. Leave at the crack of dawn I'm gonna pack my clothes Leave at the crack of dawn And everybody will be sleeping And they won't know I'm gone Might take a train Might take a plane If I have to walk I'm going just the same I'm gonna Kansas City
Never know how much I love you Never know how much I care When you put your arms around me I get a fever that's so hard to bear You give me fever When you kiss me fever When you hold me tight Fever In the morning A fever all through the night Sun lights up the daytime Moon lights up the night I light up when you call my name And you know I'm gonna treat you right You give me fever When you kiss me fever When you hold me tight Fever In the morning A fever all through the night Everybody's Got the fever, that is something you all know Fever isn't such a new thing Fever started long ago Romeo loved Juliet Juliet, she felt the same When he put his arms around her He said, Julie, baby, you're my flame, thou givest fever. When we kiss it, fever with thy flaming use. Fever, I'm a fire. Fever, yea, I burn forsooth. Captain Smith and Pocahontas. Had a very mad affair When her daddy tried to kill him She said, Daddy, oh, don't you dare Give me fever With his kisses, fever When he holds me tight Fever I'm his missus Daddy, won't you treat him right Now you've listened to my story Here's the point that I have made Chicks were born to give you fever Be it Fahrenheit or centigrade They give you fever When you kiss them fever If you live, you learn Fever Till you sizzle What a lovely way to burn What a lovely way to burn What a lovely way Fever by Peggy Lee, recorded in 1957 with just a bass, a drummer, and a percussion player. No horns, no piano, no guitar. Very, very sketchy song, all told in the lyrics and, of course, Peggy's inimitable delivery of said lyrics. So that's really good news, Peggy Lee. Always got a bit of time for Peggy Lee. And, of course, that velvety and subtle voice is the epitome of cool, cool jazz. Before we go on to our next uh, tracks, as you can tell, I've been playing braces of tracks 
two at a time, just to help you get in the mood. Um, but I just wanted to mention, I brought up the fact that uh, we've had a jazz workshop here in Liverpool since about um, the beginning of 19, oh, 19, 2019. And it started uh, as a continuing series. There had been jazz workshops going on before, but I moved here in 2018. So at the end of the year, um, started meeting with a group of aspiring jazz improvisers, not necessarily professional players, but certainly people who were keen to play and improvise at the uh, Elm Hall Church, Methodist Church on Elm Hall Drive in uh, Mossley Hill. And we meet on Thursday nights at uh, 7 o'clock, two hours, uh, and have a session in the church there. And it's been a really, really successful and fulfilling experience working with these musicians of all ages, but uh, they tend to be well north of uh, 30 and on, but all very good uh, people, very good players. And uh, as I said, we had to stop in March of 2020 for obvious reasons, but uh, we hope to start again soon. And we, um, in the meantime, though, we are playing on a weekly basis at Sefton Park, near to the Palm House, essentially in front of the Palm House, at 1 p.m. on Saturdays. So please come and hear us then as well uh, with weather um, abiding. Um, this hasn't been a great week of weather, as you know, um, in Liverpool. Um, but we're hoping that things will, will, will be good. But if, in fact, um, you miss us, uh, we should be playing in a, in a week's time or so at the uh, park at 1 p.m. at the uh, Palm House. So we're going to move along now to one of the great icons of the saxophone. Uh, of course, that's Stan Getz, who recorded a lot of great tracks in the 1950s. Um, and this is one of them. And this is uh, George Gershwin's, George and Ira Gershwin's Wonderful. And Stan has a quite an interesting take on it. It's uh, kind of an up-tempo version as jazz musicians like to do, um, standard tunes like this, standard songs written by great lyricists such as um, Ira Gershwin, tend to swing and work better uh, at a more moderate tempo when, when there's somebody actually trying to get all those words out. But in the jazz musician's uh, dream, it's, it's, it's kind of nice to put a little bit of tempo on it. So here it is. It's wonderful. Thank you. 
Thank <laughs> you. 
Wow, that was uh, a great Warren Marsh, tenor player, played a lot with Lenny Tristano, who wrote that piece. And um, he also uh, played with Lee Conant a lot, and uh, sadly he's no longer with us. 
But um, he did, uh, it's a rather sadly comic tale of his passing. He was playing a gig in 1987 in uh, Los Angeles from where he, where, where he comes from, although he spent a lot of time in New York as well. And he was playing a tune at a club, one of the top jazz clubs in L.A. I think it was called, um, I'll have to think of the name in a minute, but it's no longer there. Anyway, uh, he was playing a long, it was a quintet with the top players, you know, Jack Sheldon on trumpet and uh, Lou Levy on piano and probably, uh, well, the top, top, Nick Ciroli on drums, I think. Anyway. They're playing along, and he plays his solo. It's a long tune, you know, typical blowing vehicle. And at the uh, end of his solo, he stops playing, obviously, and uh, within about a minute or two, uh, took ill and sat down on the ground to to not, you know, fall over, and very sadly died after his solo. And you won't believe the name of the song they were playing, Out of Nowhere. That's true. That's true. It's not funny, but it's sort of, oh, anyway, I'm not sure why I cut. I told that story, but he was just a great player. Anyway, I did want to mention that um, we're hearing uh, music of the cool era, and we're going to move along now to a piece by a wonderful saxophonist based up in London called Alison Neal and her um compatriot on the baritone saxophone, Christopher Bisco, and they're playing a great, great Cole, uh, no, not Cole Porter, um, Irving Berlin song entitled, How Deep Is the Ocean? How High Is the Sky? <laughs> Thank you. 
Welcome back, the second hour of the Jazz Cavern, and uh, that was a bit of Freddie Hubbard, a song called Little Sunflower, and we're going to fade Freddie and band out to introduce our guest, our first guest on the Jazz Cavern, and uh, we have Jonathan Andrew Butters. Jonathan Andrew Butters. I, I hope I got it right. You did. Uh, thank you very much, Professor Frank Griffith, <laughs> the voice of jazz. Well, we'd like to think so. We're, we're starting out today. Um, this is our maiden voyage show here at um, Liverpool Community Radio. Jonathan is a very much a polymath. Uh, in addition, let's just start with important things first. He's a drummer. Yes, I, I, I hit things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like hanging around with musicians. I think it's great because I always like to have musicians uh, talk about uh, music, of course, but I also am interested in people like your good self who, who work in a multitude, a, a multi-area um, situation. Now, drumming-wise, you have been the house band drummer with the uh, Speak Easy Bootleg Band. Uh who have been playing about in Liverpool and outer areas and even as far as Manchester for a good many years now, haven't you? Yes, um, I was invited to join. It's actually been a, a stellar cast of previous drummers, so I was really, uh, I was really flattered when, uh, when Jeff Lewis, who's the, uh, the crazy trombone-playing <laughs> band leader. Singer somewhat, yeah. Yes, <laughs> repartee, um, uh, vintage car, and... Yes. I'm and, not surprised. And music uh, format restorer, the guy uh, can do everything. Uh, he's he's amazing. Yeah. yeah, so I've been with them for about eight years now. Yeah, good, good, good band. Uh, often um, I've played and played with and heard the band at a number of <laughs> venues. Uh, the most consistent here in the area, of course, is the um, Caledonia. Oh, the Caledonia. Very uh, close to all of our hearts in, in Liverpool. Nights, mm. um, once a month. And uh, just for those of you that like jazz dancing, we have that as well at the Cali, don't you? Yes, the um, the Mersey Swing That's group. It. That's the they, group. They do weekly um, jazz dance yeah. sessions, sort of advanced and beginners, and they come out and do it with the real thing. They like dancing to live music. In the postage stamp-sized dance floor at the Cali. <laughs> uh, but once they get a rockin', it's just a sight to behold, isn't it? It's it's not well. You've got to remember that through its history, jazz has been like the primary dance music in exactly. the in popular music for sure. decades and decades. And um, so, when you're playing dance music, it brings that whole other dimension it to does. it. When you see people An dancing, yeah. it's almost rude not to dance to dance music, isn't it? Oh yeah. Well, unless you're me, uh, I've I'm, not I'm, seen you dance, I, Frank. I, I don't think you want to. But um, I do just, now. Uh, yeah, now okay. you've said. I think we need to have a voters a okay, vote we'll on this. It, yeah. <laughs> as long as you, um, you know, let me wear a mask. 
Um, now, uh, just a couple of other musical things about your past that I was interested to learn. You were a drummer in a described as a Liverpool rock hip hop outfit called the 25th of May. Yes, the band that everyone forgets and probably <laughs> wants to. Whenever there's a sort of, oh, let's let's talk about Liverpool's musical heritage, we sort of fall off the edge of the page. Um, it was a funny period. It was around about the uh, very end of the 1980s, early oh, 90s. Right. So a while back, yeah. Yes, when I first came up to Liverpool. Sure. Um, I came here in 1988, um, but there was a there was a band that had just recorded an EP at the uh, Trade Union and Unemployment Resource Centre. Um, it's a good on, place for uh, jazz. Yeah, sorry, yeah it, was, it was great. Sorry, I don't mean that. Yeah. They had they had they had um, you know they they had all sorts of money in from um, like Billy Bragg, I think, and uh, Elvis Costello and well Joe done. Strummer and. People like that, and it was to really give young, youngsters yeah. in Merseyside a route into sure. music well, because, you, yeah. you know, it was still we were still in that world where if you got sort of unemployment benefit or supplementary benefit, it was effectively like a grant to allow you to join a band. Okay, and it's it's odd, but it did actually fund a lot of youngsters to start off. So many came up through, you know, not being in work. Okay, well, this is quite a good point that um, I didn't realize the band was <coughs> was involved with your um, sort of, um, you know, um, not charity schemes, but, you know, development mm. theme, themes. Mm. Um, this particular band you were playing with. Yeah. Which also was a band that people could hear at gigs and stuff, presumably. Uh, do you remember some of the hallowed venues in which you played? <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. We, we, we used to play, obviously, the Flying Picket, which, as you, was, as you do, which yeah. was the venue at the uh, Trade Union and Unemployment Resource Centre. Uh, Macmillan's, yep. uh, Rudy's, which was right. up a side yep. street in, uh, in, in the business district. Um, we did, I mean, we went on tour as well. We got an album deal with Arista. Yeah, we did a, a John Peel session. We were Simon Mayo's record of the week on yeah, his breakfast well show on BBC One. You could dine on that for days. Yeah, or yeah. minutes, yeah, actually. Minutes. Well, the reason I ask is because um, it's kind of connected to um, Parjaz. And before I let you, I uh, want to invite you to tell us about what's happening with Parjaz mm. and what has happened in the past. I just want to mention from my research... I gathered that um, you uh, worked in two, 2016 with, um, uh, well, it was called the Jazz Directors Series, and it was partially funded um, with the Arts Council of mm -hmm. England. Yep. And some of the names that are associated with that, uh, if I might have got them mixed up, are Snarky Puppy, yep. who I think are Texas boys, but they're based in New York or something. That's correct. Is that right? Yeah, Michael, Michael Lee, because yeah. they've found a member, and they came out of there, but they're really a sort of who's who's a, 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 top, of that. Top group. Many Grammy Awards. They've worked with Lala Hathaway. And they just sound great. You know? They are. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and they've spawned loads of other bands, and they've got okay. a festival in Florida as okay. well called Ground this, Up Festival. This is all news to me. Thank yeah. you. Uh, Dylan Howe who uh, is a very, very good jazz drummer. I've heard his band before. Mm -hmm. And his father is Steve Howe, mm -hmm. uh, who was with Yes, I'm pretty sure, mm -hmm. wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. 
Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and I also saw the name uh, Terence Blanchard floating mm-hmm. around on your um, mm-hmm. on your resume. And then, of course, our band we're going to play today uh, called The Weave, mm-hmm. who are uh, well. We'll talk about more of them as their track approaches because they're good mm-hmm. good pals of mine, uh, both trumpets of uh, Tony Pierce and uh, Martin Smith. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. Uh, okay, we're kind of up to date now in a rather you know, life in a nutshell way. Can you tell us um, about meeting up with Jenny Lamb and how the whole um, process developed with jazz, uh, excuse me, par jazz? <laughs> yeah, par, par jazz um, have been going now for over 11 years, probably 12, because we've forgotten about the uh, pandemic year. Uh, it not count. <laughs> it doesn't really count, no. Um, I wasn't originally around then. It was Jenny and um, and then uh, Johnny Mac, Count John McCormack. Um, is the st- steadiest bass player ever. What a guy! He can <laughs> he can swivel on a sixpence when he ch- when, when somebody's playing the wrong key. Um, pounds, pounds, shillings, and yeah, pounds, yeah. He, he, amazing. And what they they're musicians and and they're effectively a not for profit um, promoting jazz in in not just in Liverpool because um, they're, they're put on events in Warrington and and Manchester as okay. well. But they they generally they'll bring in top touring acts from outside the city but they'll, they'll, they'll often if it's just an artist who requires a backing band then the sort of the house bandits as they are known <laughs> who are top players that's anthony ormish john mccormick oh, um Mark, you know no, da- da- danny, danny. danny danny boy also known as uh, uh, moody mank famous uh, dj and uh, club <gasps> club guy and ski instructor don't y- forget that yes yes um so so <laughs> we've had i mean we've had snarky puppy and I put them in a uh, studio too a uh, tiny little venue and you know with one of the world's greatest downstairs. current downstairs. uh studio two is a street level um the, the, yeah the, the one you walk into yeah yeah um so we brought them in and, and, and a lot of overseas artists um i mean we put bacante who are like uh, another ground up record sort of world music Brazilian? jazz Brazilian? no they're they're american as oh, well sorry, but they've sorry. brought in artists from all over the world sure. so they've got they've got a tremendous a big they're like a big band jazz big band sort of crossover into world music we're trying to get their 70 70 foot tour bus down seal street taking off wing mirrors as it went was one of the events of 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 last year a bit demoralizing you know it was it was a very interesting progress (laughs) yeah well i can just say that uh jenny's done an extraordinary job and Mm -hmm. uh, she's a a saxophonist herself and as you were saying uh the from my experience i've been involved in a number of gigs um through the auspices of um Jazz, one of which is at the legendary Ma Boyles, mm-hmm. which I think has been there about 300 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Water Street, just off the docks, yep. isn't it? So I just, um, so there's another venues, and uh, I just wanted to ask you, because um, we've had this 14-month gap, mm-hmm. uh, tell us about what was happening leading up to the um, pandemic in the sort of late 19, if you like, mm-hmm. and then, of course, uh, what what's in in store for the future in terms of venues or musical uh, ideas of w- what's going to be on and that sort of thing? Well, it's time for a, a jazz reset, is what we're calling it. <laughs> um, cool, yeah. Prior prior to the pandemic, Par Jazz um, 
um, organised by myself. I'm one of the directors and Jani Lam. Um, we had put in an application to the Arts Council to fund a two-year programme where we had keynote events with all sorts of partners, including the Philharmonic and uh, Liverpool uh, Universities, School of Music, the museums as well, because there's a cultural historical angle, um, Hope University, uh, and then lots of venues. The idea was to bring keynote um, artists in for a ticketed event, but wrapping around that would probably be some workshops earlier on, masterclasses, and then in the evening an after event where we would try and lure some of the visiting artists who would be world-class musicians into the city to basically play with and jam in a small club into the small hours with with, with our guys. Mm -hmm. So that would be incredibly entertaining, but also it sort of expands the gene pool, uh, brings in a whole level. It's like... A lot of jazz artists say if they go to New York and live there for a few years and play jazz, they go into another league. Well, it's almost bringing that into Liverpool. Right. Um, that idea of cross-fertilisation and moving your head into a different space. So that was before the pandemic. Obviously, the Arts Council had to shift to try and support uh, very very struggling venues but they've invited us to come back and we're putting together a program um which will be a, a, a sort of mini version of that so there'll still be some uh very high profile uh keynote events sure. and then a wraparound of educational audience and artist development as well as these evening um uh, after parties which are you know jazz dj great jam session in a really yeah. cool funky place um, so that that's a big picture. Alongside this, we're also putting together a little sort of jazz feast, we're calling it. It's a long weekend of sort of afternoon to late night uh, jazz with all of our best current and emerging jazz artists in the city. Mm -hmm. um, that will be in a couple of venues and including a rooftop venue. I can't release any information oh. about that oh. other than it's going to be at the end of July. Well, that's that's helpful, and it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing because it really is gonna bring the frustrated people who just haven't been able to play really yeah. at all yeah. back in contact with an audience in a really safe, warm, loving environment. Well, I was just gonna say um, I, I understand um, it's difficult to book people and um, know who's gonna play when and what mm. they're gonna play when you're in the stages of of getting just the basic you know is it going to happen stage mm. or whatever so it's just fair fair enough but i'm glad to hear that you are quite close to pinpointing a date yeah uh partly because of our abilities here in the radio land to get the word out mm -hmm. and this show um for those of you um listening to uh, the jazz people, jazz uh, fans in the uh, LCR remit, <laughs> the catchment area, which I must remind is well out of, outside of Liverpool. It goes up to parts of, um, you know, Lancashire and um, Southport and Chester, all, all sorts. Mm. So that's um, good. Uh, but anyway, uh, we, we broadcast this show once a month, so it won't be like every, every week, but uh, once a month will enable us to still have plenty of time to let people know of, Great. of a, a July event, for example. And, and I think the nice thing, Frank, is yeah. that you know jazz has been around for over 100 years now. Yeah. And it's gone through many, many sort of phases, has melded with 
borrowed from, fed back into other genres. So when people say, what's jazz? You can't really answer yeah. that. There are yeah. some elements throughout with improvisation and et cetera, but really, it isn't really one. It's not a type of music. It's a way of approaching music. And yeah, it's a good it's, way to distinguish. And it's perfect for audience de- development because there, there are some people who have never heard stuff that you and I would call jazz yeah, or stuff which sits around the the outer limits where we're not sure if it's jazz or not, but who cares? It's music. Yeah, well, that's um, evident in your uh, talk about the uh, proposed um, educational arm Mm. of um, par jazz. Yeah. Um, Because we can use that as a way to get people, um, obviously younger players, older players, new to jazz, Mm -hmm. and their parents and their families and their Mm. friends Mm. to come along because – well, so and so's playing on Saturday night in a, <laughs> uh, you know, we're going to jam on a hmm. sort of blue bossa for half an hour, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, though, Frank, <laughs> toddlers always get it, don't they? You know, when you're oh, yeah. playing in Sefton Park. It's and physical, isn't it? We've had a few of those, haven't we? Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, a, a, a mum or a dad comes past with a little one. And the kids go crazy. They start kicking their legs up they in the air. Up. I know, I know. And yeah, my granddaughter came, do you remember, about a month and a half ago. She loves it. And she's still talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's the only time she's heard live jazz in about a year. Mm-hmm. So It's a good start. Uh, she's five now, so she'll be... Uh, Buying LPs soon. I've got to get her to come down to uh, uh, Sefton Park again. Uh, but no, getting back to the jazz education, um, mm-hmm. while I was, uh, this kind of might tie into Jenny's vision and presumably yours, you, you two have cooked this up together, presumably. You know, Jenny mm. Lamb, who mm. we mentioned before. She, she's a music teacher. Uh, oh, she, right. so okay, she makes some money from music teaching I as well as from, yeah. from promoting okay, events good. in jazz. So she, she works, um, uh, uh, you know they call it peripatetic, but she 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 yeah, she'll, sure. she'll she'll work. She works in schools. Yeah. She works with private tutees, and she also does work with Liverpool University. Okay, um, well, that's, that's a good uh, knowledge that yeah. she's got those kinds of. Um, and she mentors as well. It's not just about playing your instrument, as you know. If you've ever met a young lad with a guitar who plays in his bedroom all day and never comes out being can't cope with gig them. ready and being able to work and collaborate with other musicians is just as much part of it. Yeah. And that takes confidence and it takes support. It's difficult to do that. Um, There's always got to be a London Jazz Festival, just to pick another example, um, has, uh, has added more and more educational aspects to the festival offerings, mm-hmm. just as an example. Because mm-hmm. um, it is, for what it's worth, it's probably the biggest jazz festival in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes on for 10 days, and mm-hmm. there's like hundreds of gigs per day. Yeah. So I'm just saying there's a lot on offer. Um, but I would like to say, though, in, in um, my experience as an educator down in uh, London, which is where I get my professor title from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, by the way. I owe you a drink. Um, is the uh, presence of jazz workshops for kids in schools and some of the schools we taught in in london were not the most you know illustrious uh poshest schools let's put it that way and uh you end up with a group of like 10 guitar players and you know a few saxophones and maybe one trumpet (laughs) you know odd 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 sizes odd shapes and and, Mm -hmm. and 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 musically uh but we just get going on a blues or something and We'd find a way for everyone to come mm. in. And singers, mm-hmm. too, by the way. Mm. That's a big thing. And what we found, and you might find this in your own uh, doings, as well as um, 
um, whether you're teaching on your own or with, with par jazz, um, is that a lot of the younger players are very uh, trepidatious about playing improvisation. And um, mostly, I have to say, a higher number of girls are tend not to be wanting to stand up and play a solo. And I'm talking to youngsters, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing the transformation you see mm-hmm. when they finally just give it a mm-hmm. go. You know? And that takes a bit of coddling and coaching and mm. uh, gently getting them into it. I, I would have thought Jenny would be good at that, you know. So Oh, she's exceptional at bringing people on and getting them to have that sort of idea of how to it's a collaboration jazz isn't it i mean it's not just about you the it's improvisation about, is only one yeah. part of it and it it's can not be the whole solo is and it? it can be about not playing something as yeah. much as playing something so yeah. the gaps are as important as the, the 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 notes in between yeah and the other um area that we experienced this on a good level was um in february of last year which was a month before everything mm. happened and that was with uh, Liverpool Hope University, Capstan Theatre, when they had the Liverpool Jazz Festival. Love that. And oh, a big I, shout out to Neil Campbell, who organises that. Guitarist. Uh, yeah, he Wonderful did talent. such a fantastic job. Yeah. The last yeah. the last one that we had, hmm. I mean, I, I, I walked away with that and I was buying lots of vinyl and downloading tracks of yeah. bands I'd never heard before. And they were absolutely amazing. Sarathy Korwa is one of my favourites that I saw there. It was an exciting mix of events, and I was um, asked to participate in the Saxophone Day, mm. which was run by Bob Whitaker, who we all know from the um, Curly Music, but also from the oddly named groups he has, uh, Marley Chingus. Yeah, and Blind Monk Theory. Blind Monk Theory. Just, it's just a yeah. theory. It's not, yeah. And, and his... Um, rather um, dancing and uh, talkative saxophone style. Mm. And, of course, um, his wonderful musicians, um, people like um, a wonderful bass player, Hugo Harris, and, mm-hmm. um, and um, Johnny Hunter, I think, mm-hmm. is a drummer, isn't he? Yep. Different drummers, different players over there. John, Johnny's the uh, often the main drummer and uh, yeah, it's a p- one of my favourite drummers but don't tell him I said that oh no I won't please don't please. Um, as a matter of fact I'll, I'll scratch him off this recording but um, I'd like to um, speaking of groups um, you were talking about some of the groups uh, that have played Bacante and all kinds of mm. uh, yeah. sort of exotic groups not yeah. necessarily you know what you think is jazz you know sort of Conventional jazz, mm-hmm. it's a horrible word, I know. But mm-hmm. Tell us about this group uh, you're going to play us now. It's called Sobor? Sorry. Oh, the, the, yeah, the, the song is called Sabur. Sabur, yes. Yeah, and, it, and it's from a band from North Mali, M-A-L-A. M M A L I. Who who? who that, that's Mali, a yeah. country in Africa. It's how, it's terribly war torn at the moment. It is. Um, and the guys from uh, this band who are called Song Hoi Blues. They're living over in in uh, London because it's too dangerous for them over there. Well, that's um, our that's our that's our benefit or whatever. <laughs> yes, and and um, what I love about this band, I've seen them in a number of festivals. I saw them in Liverpool at Psychfest in 2017, but I'm going to be seeing them hopefully uh, later this year at the End of the Road Festival down in Wiltshire. Um, they sort of they're sort of bringing blues back to yeah. back to Africa where it started. Um, right. Some of the tracks on the album that this track's from, it almost sounds like you know John Lee Hooker's in there somewhere with them. That's cool. With but with African rhythms, 
But of course, that's where the blues and jazz came from. Um, you know, it wasn't invented in Cuba and and in you know um, in New Orleans. Yeah. It came out of um, Africa, and or, or you, even, you can hear uh, it. Or even uh, Rochdale. Yeah, <laughs> Rochdale, that famous uh, <laughs> center of jazz. But there's some good jazz there's in some Rochdale. Really good jazz. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Uh, Suibor. Suibor. That was 
Subur by Song Hoi Blues, all the way from North Mali. But check them out if they're ever in a festival or touring around. Song Hoi Blues, amazing band. I really enjoyed that, not least for your um, comments about their uh, just really blues, like in-your-face blues. I mean, it was a twang, a mm. twang, and that was just to me, that could have been from anywhere, you know. And they, yeah. they, they don't... They, they don't Overdo it with the uh, world music-y thing. It just, uh, a lot of that stuff does derive from um, UK and USA, doesn't mm. it? And the, the sort of rhythmic structure of that piece of music, it always reminds me of uh, Egyptian reggae by uh, Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers, Perfect. which is, you know, a bit of post-punk there. <laughs> well, John Dankworth um, kindly wrote the liner notes to my, my what happened to be my, Third CD, <laughs> um, which is terribly long ago, I'm sorry to say, um, 2003. Anyway, he nicely wrote the uh, lyrics to a non-ant CD of, um, you know, 12 tracks, or so, mm. 10 tracks. And, and one of the tracks was a suite, so it was like three tracks, mm. you know what I mean? It had three parts to it. Um, and then we had all sorts. I had a bit of uh, Bobby Gentry on there. Wow. I had Roy Hud. Roy Hud. Roy Budd, Roy Budd, who wrote the music to Get Carter. Oh. Roy Budd, oh, top that, film incredible. composer, who unfortunately um, died sort of young. But mm, anyway, mm. I threw all kinds of stuff, mm. you know, original pieces. And John, uh, because I got to know him pretty well um, in his last sort of 10 or 15 years of his life, mm-hmm. and he referred to jazz as the musical magpie. Yeah. Uh, it was a good way to call it, the musical magpie. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, a lot of music's um, borrow from others. Of course they do. You take the shiny stuff, don't you? You take and the you, good stuff. And it, the shiny <laughs> stuff, and you, you line your nest with it. Yeah. That's it, jazz. And John um, just had made a career of that himself as he wrote music for movies, you know, he wrote some mm. great movie scores. Mm-hmm. And he wrote mu- music for the stage. He wrote, of course, m- much, uh, a lot of stuff for Cleo, which, I mean, she recorded Cavatina, which was mm. a theme song to... Um, Deer Hunter? Thank you. Yeah. Written by John Williams, the great guitarist, mm-hmm. who I'm happy to say just celebrated his 80th birthday the other day. Mm. Um, so, um, but I'd like you to... Uh, um, go into a little bit of um, view on how you see Liverpool as a venue for different kinds of musics and how accessible it is mm. in terms of, uh, I mean, you've already reeled off about four or five bands that you either played in or know about that aren't conventional jazz. But tell us mm. Some, mm. about some of the venues and how accessible you think they might be. I know it's in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's anyone's guess to some extent, but people don't. People are planning. You know, there's, 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 there are buildings, there is an opportunity, there's an audience, there's musicians, so things are going to happen. I mean, Liverpool has been described many times as a city with ears, <laughs> and I like that, yeah. um, my my experience of, of jazz in Liverpool is you can go into a pub like the Caledonia on Catherine Street and you can have one of the manifestations of Bob Whittaker, beautiful man, covered in tattoos, plays the most amazing sort of avant-garde And he dances jazz. along with it. And he's, that? and he's playing this in a pub. Walking into a pub and hearing stuff that's been 
sort of taken to the next level from um, Thelonious Monk or some of the sort of outliers of uh, of historic jazz and then taken it somewhere else. He's That's not Thelon- usual. He's Sorry, I had to say, he's got a Thelonious Monk titled group, mm. uh, the Blind Monk Theory. And there's no pianist in the group. No, which is perfect. Well, it's it's <laughs> sort of it, it's sort of play music that came from a chord-based instrument, the piano, but having it played by a band with no chord-based instrument. But there's still plenty of monk there. Isn't there's, there? there's notes, and they play notes. So, and it does sound connected, and that's not a usual thing to have into a pub where you can walk in off the street and having quite challenging music. But the point with Liverpool, I was trying to make is. Yeah, sorry. You 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 get people walking off the street who actually appreciate good musicianship and interesting it. music, even if the even if you don't understand it. Absolutely, what, what about there's an appreciation. Our, yeah, I mean that's a good venue. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I just hope they open. I'm crossing my fingers. Of course they will. Uh, speaking of venues, let's just name a few because um, mm-hmm. some of them presumably have been. Um, well, par jazz. Um, yeah. We 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 promote jazz um, in Liverpool, whether it's homegrown artists or people that tour in from outside. And we have had as our home base a number of uh, really good venues around town. It started actually in a in a bar called the Metro, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, we moved to Studio Two on on, on Par Street. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been in Phase One on Seal Street. Yep. We've been in uh, EBGBs yes. uh, higher up the road. Um, we've been in the Jacaranda, yep. well. legendary club founded in 1957, uh, where the Beatles played many times when they're in the days of the Silver Beatles. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, and then we've 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 promoted like Mar Boyles, beautiful yep. little oyster bar. Played there a few times. Tucked around behind uh, St. Nick's Church, opposite the uh, Liver Building. Well, I, I um, had the chance to play there um, last year, mm. you know, uh, before the uh, pandemic. Uh, great food, great beer. wonderful pianist called um, Frank Amslam, who's French, who, mm. uh, old pal of mine from New York. And he came all the way from uh, uh, Paris mm-hmm. for a week. Mm. And I was lucky enough to organize a gig there with... Uh, Wonderful bass player who I'm sure you know of, uh, called Steve uh, Barry. Mm. He's a good bass player. Mm. Lives up in uh, northern Manchester. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, and that's a bit of a mad place, you know. Yeah. But uh, there's a good little core jazz crowd there. Um, and we also played. Uh, we were supposed to play at the uh, Jacaranda, but um, there were difficulties at that mm-hmm. time. It's know. usually the drains. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It was just. Uh, Things were getting close to the COVID, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, you're aware, of course, of the Par Street Studios moving to L3, mm. um, and there's no longer a venue there. Even. Mm. Yeah. Do yeah. you know? I mean, it's about the upcoming. Uh, no, we don't know. Okay, um, things change. I mean, the, the thing is, it's a dynamic city, and you know, Liverpool's always been at this sort of crossroads because it was a port. I mean, Mersey Beat came from the fact that we had American music coming in. We had all sorts of influences from other parts of the UK and, and, and Europe and the world, and they just sort of coalesced. You know, the fact that we are a crossroads with this sort of dynamic, changing thing. If you locked everything down and turned it into a sort of music heritage site where yeah. you could come and, you know, buy, buy like, like a sort of um, hard rock cafe for Mersey Beat or something, it would kill it. Yeah. Um, that's important. But I think the thing is that, that we've got that and we treasure it, but we've also got what's new. 
And what, what I really like about um, Liverpool is there's an open mind in putting music on in unusual venues. Um, we've got these tremendous places like the cathedrals, for example. A um, uh, year and a half ago, uh, Parjaz uh, worked with Liverpool University to commemorate 100 years of jazz. Oh, yeah. And we put, we, we, we put a... Uh, an event on during during the day on a Saturday in that wonderful big classical building in the Albert Dock. Uh, it used to be Granada TV Studios. It's next to the pump house. It's got the big chimney on it. Yeah. Uh, and in there, Catherine Tackley, yeah, um, who's known as Dr. Jazz, even though she's a professor. She's actually got a big band as well. I think she plays clarinet. Yeah, she's she, a good clarinet player. She's superb. She did, a le- she did a sort of like a public lecture about Liverpool and the history of jazz and we also illustrated what it sounded like because it's difficult to understand but the early days of jazz and it was it there isn't one date really it no, sort no, of no. became a thing um, but about a hundred years ago all this stuff like ragtime and blues and sort yeah. of barrel house and you know heavy piano stripe stuff piano. stripe piano it all sort of amalgamated into this form that people then started calling jazz and the interesting thing is that because Liverpool was a primary port connected to the United States of America, obviously jazz came in on the boats. And um, the the original Dixieland Jazz Band, yep. who were the first recorded jazz band, I think, um, now probably one, or one and a half years, over 100 years ago, they came to Liverpool because they'd been booked to play a big event in London to effectively celebrate the treaty that was signed after the First World War. Sure. So that was that was that was uh, you know 1918, and they came through Liverpool. Yeah, they, they so done. Yeah. the first jazz band in Europe actually set feet in Liverpool, and then there was a a steady flow. Yeah. Now, there's not a lot has been written on whether they stayed here, played here. Sure. There's one or two um, records about what went on at the Philharmonic, etc. So there is some sort of folklore about jazz being played very early. Right. Well, in that light of that, I have to put my hand up uh, because I haven't done a lot of research on the cavern. Mm. Um, but you had mentioned to me a couple times recently that there was jazz gigs happening at the cavern and uh, it was a jazz club it was founded again in 1957 yeah so. that was way before the mersey beat thing happened because yeah. obviously the cavern's associated with the beatles yeah. in and i think 1961 or something like that but 1957 was when it was founded and the opening act was the mersey sippy jazz band yeah. who are still yeah. going they're the uh, longest I know a couple existing of existing jazz band in the well, world. There's only about maybe one, one and a half members still going. But I don't uh, think there's any of the original ones. No, but no. You I, know. I know the. Uh, <laughs> I don't know him, but I knew of him, uh, the mm. clarinet player. Mm. Uh, I know his son, as it yeah. turns out, who's about my age. Yeah. And they, um, yeah, sorry, John something, and uh, yeah, he's a top, uh, really good uh, mm. sort of clarinet player. But not unlike the clarinet player you play with, with Jeff Lewis's um, speakeasy. Oh, Dave Burke. Yeah, Dave Burke. Also known as uh, Acker Burke. Acker Burke, <laughs> perfect. Um, wonderful stylist in that, in that you know, genre. Sharp, sharp dresser. Oh, is he? I always check out his clothes. He wears some really nice stuff. It's like all the Armani and stuff. Really? I think he's just very good at going to charity shops, Armani, you know. Armani, yeah. Uh, but... Uh, 
absolutely uh, good uh, good good uh, point about the the uh, first jazz bands mm-hmm. at the um, the club that you mentioned mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. cavern now uh, presumably the cavern's been there a lot longer than 1957 no no that's when it opened I mean it was a cellar of a warehouse oh that one yeah yeah so so it was, it was a basement okay um, the, no that's super to know because I think uh, Abbey Road has been um, as an example the London version of the Cavern, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and as much as that's where the Beatles recorded all their albums, mm-hmm. and in fact, Abbey Road was doing just fine before the Beatles came along, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. uh, as you probably can imagine, they opened in the 1920s, mm-hmm. in the major studio for uh, radio broadcasts mm-hmm. as well as um, orchestras, you know, mm-hmm. and John, uh, John, the fifth Beatle, George Martin was. At Abbey Road, well mm-hmm. before the Beatles were. Well, he was producing people like Peter Sellers and exactly. the Goons, doing novelty records, and, and a lot of classical musicians yep. as well. And all those lovely arrangements, so many of them were by George you mm-hmm. know, yesterday, yeah. and the string quartet, and Eleanor Rigby. You know, all those like kind of slightly kitschy mm-hmm. arrangements. Well, if ever you get the album of the Yellow Submarine movie, yeah, fifty percent of it is the orchestral score from the film, the animated film. Well, it's, there you go. it's beautiful. It really is. Yeah. Uh, listen, we I, we so ex- I'm so excited to be talking about these, and I'll do some <laughs> more research on the cavern because mm. I think it deserves more credit for what happened before the mm. Beatles as mm. well. Um, but we were talking about our pals Martin Smith and the uh, trumpeter, both of whom are trumpeters, uh, Tony Pierce. And uh, tell us a little bit about this group that you're going to play. Oh, the Weave. Now, they don't play that often, uh, maybe two or three times a year. But they are really the jazz soul of Liverpool. You've got Martin Smith on trumpet and various horns, flugelhorn, as well as a, a rather strange marching horn that he plays. That's a tenor horn thing. Yeah. yeah, and uh, Tony Pierce. So you've got two trumpeters quite often at the front of the band. Now, that's interesting because they sort of breathe together. Yeah. And two trumpeters playing the lead gives you a whole new feel. I mean, if you think it's a of beautiful like sound. Herb Albert and his sort of yeah, he had two trumpets, Chuano yeah. brass band, they they had that, and I, and and I love the way they play amongst each yeah. other and they move the notes around. The, then we've got the, Tilo, the tone. Yeah. We've got Tilo on drums, Tilo Pernbaum. Wonderful drummer. Oh, he's he, he's he's a, another one of my favourite drummers, and you can tell him that. Don't tell Johnny Hunter I like him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's he's marvellous, Tilo. And then you've got um, Hugo Harry Harrison on bass. Harry Harrison. You know, he's <laughs> he's got the most amazing upright um, double bass. With that, no case. Yeah, I think he, <laughs> he, he basically got it out of the back of a, a skip of a school, but he's it. turned it into a beautiful instrument. And, and he puts it in his car with no case Yeah, on. the sustain on it is, is gorgeous. It's a beautiful bass player, and a, yeah. really a great... Oh. He just plays every note equally. It's yeah. so lovely. And he's got the strangest tattoos. They're like lines oh, that go around like let's not even, cable around let's his... Let's not even go yeah. with tattoos, please. Uh, <laughs> so tell us about this piece. Oh right! Well, we mi- we mi- we missed we-, we missed out uh, Rob Stringer on on keyboards uh, and and Anthony Ormisher uh, on Rob guitar. Rob is a very good singer as well. Very as good, you know. beautiful piano and keyboard player. Right, this track's called yeah. "Our Fathers." Okay. It's an original um, uh, uh, piece of music by the Weave, and it's beautiful, relaxing, chilled, and the sun's come out. So just sit back and pour another martini because I know you're on your second now. Um, Well, I was thinking about my third, actually. Good man. Here we go.
That was The Weave, a composition called Knowledge Porridge from their Our Father's CD. And um, they uh, comprise of uh, Martin Smith on trumpet, Tony Pierce on trumpet, Hugo Harrison on bass, Rob Stringer on keyboards and piano, and uh, the wonderful, wonderful Tilo Birnbaum. Is that his name? Birnbaum. Thank you, Johnny, coming back and uh, joining us. Uh, this is um, Liverpool Community Radio, and of course we have our illustrious guest, Jab. Hello. Affectionately known. And uh, Johnny is um, telling us about, talking to us about venues in Liverpool. And uh, I just wanted to mention that uh, Liverpool is a city with ears. Or that'll be the statement for the day, I think. Yeah, and the, the, yeah. the hearing you now, Frank, yeah. live. Oh, I, I, I hope they're okay with that. But I just want to say uh, there's a new venue starting that we hope to have all kinds of bands, um, different bands from different genres. And it's actually a cricket club. <laughs> um, but, you, Johnny, you mentioned the, um, uh, the Mississippi Jazz. Mm. Is it called the Mississippi? Mississippi, yes, yeah. jazz band. Which is a clever play on the Mississippi, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm sure many of you know that most of the uh, initial st- strains of, of what they call Dixieland or traditional jazz in America started in the South mm-hmm. with Louis Armstrong and King 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 Arthur, King Oliver, King Oliver. Thank you, Kid Ori. Just the names: Johnny Dodge, Dodge, <laughs> Baby Dodds, mm-hmm. who was a great drummer, wasn't he? Can you imagine though, if you're like ninety and your name is still Baby? Hi, Baby. You know, uh, <laughs> but um, what a what a wonderful uh, sort of breeding ground for 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 uh, what became, well, jazz really, mm. um, and. Uh, the uh, Mississippi Band, which is still going today, actually plays at a cricket club as well. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, there's not going to be one, but two cricket clubs with jazz in the south of Liverpool. And the one in question that I'll be booking is the Sefton Park Cricket Club, which mm. is easy enough to find if you know where Sefton Park is. Um, and they'll be I think we'll be having Friday nights, but very conservative in terms of how often. Mm-hmm. We won't be having every week or anything, but hopefully start for the once a month and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And I know that Jeff Lewis of the Bootleggers was actually booked to play there. Mm. Yes, of course, COVID happened, and uh, yeah, it's it's sad. It's my my diary because I I yeah. I drum for Jeff's band. My diary has still got all yeah. the appointments in it, our regular ones. So several times a month, I I have a reminder. I've got a gig tonight. And of course, I don't have a gig tonight. Yeah, it's it's like insult to injury, you know. Mm. Remind me, I'll remind me of all the gigs I'm not doing. Mm. But um, I just want to say on behalf of venues because it's not always um, a sleek, um, typical kind of uh, all de- all singing, dancing jazz club like Ronnie Scott's or you know whatever. Um, but it's a lot of venues that you wouldn't normally picture jazz happening in, and uh, Cricket Club is no exception. Uh, however, this particular cricket club in South Liverpool in the park is um, quite good because you can actually find it if you've got a good sat-nav. But more importantly, there's parking there. Yay! Mm-hmm. Uh, just as a little light humor here, um, if you don't mind telling us a story 
um, Johnny, of your um, the bootleggers being booked at a Scottish um, bar. Uh, we won't say the name of it, but there uh, was some, some difficulties parking on a Friday night in Liverpool. Do you remember that night? Oh, I remember that one. <laughs> yes, it's 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 a beautiful. It was a beautiful bar. It's on um, uh, Mount Pleasant on a traffic light junction. Big one. And it was probably an old banking hall or something. It's it looked, lo- at, it looked lovely, that way. great big windows, wonderfully restored. And we, we were booked there. And uh, I think Jeff, as he always does, because he's got six people in the band and they all bring gear with them. So he says, PA, the yeah, lot. the whole lot. And he always says, we've got to make sure that the band can park nearby because the last thing we want is to end up all of our fees go on parking tickets or uh, or we... we you know, we're all having, you know, coronaries pulling stuff up the hill for half a mile because there isn't a lot of parking. So they said, oh, yeah, we've got we've got some bays that we'll cone them off and they'll be available for you. So uh, we turned up to play the gig. Nothing had been done. It was it was totally gridlocked. We couldn't play. And and uh, Jeff basically said, well, you've just breached your contract, um, which they sort play? of had done because you couldn't get near the venue now. I mean that's that's something. If you look at what other cities have done to support their nighttime economy, is for example making sure there are loading bays that are warden patrolled, and also um, permits for uh, musicians and artists who are playing at certain venues to park uh, on the streets uh, adjacent to the venue. Um, that has been done in other cities. Liverpool, they haven't quite worked out yet. Exactly. That's why we've probably got more DJs than live musicians at the moment, because you can walk in with a memory stick. But you try, and, there, yeah. you try and carry a drum kit halfway across town. So my solution to that is I can get my drum kit on the back of my I motorbike. Know. I know, I've seen it <laughs> many times. Uh, let's say that um, you know it's easy for us to whinge about stuff like this, because you know everyone... Um, especially when you're dealing with negotiating urban areas on a weekend. Night. Mm-hmm. Liverpool is no exception. I mean, that Soho Square or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. you know, near the, um, you know, BBC, mm-hmm. um, uh, well, near uh, Seal Street, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, that's just a mass of humans. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. not that you'd park there, but still you have to get there's some venues around there. You know? Mm-hmm. And then the coupled with the the huge uh, amount of construction going on in L one, mm. new buildings, mm-hmm. road work. So it, it's it's not easy to play, as you know, especially being a drummer, when you've just been through a nightmare of a drive in or an unload or whatever it is, you know. But the show must go on. Mm. And uh, there's another venue that has jazz maybe once a week or so, called the Casimir Gardens. Oh yes, which is near the the other venue, the Phase One. It's got a beautiful vibe that place i mean it's one of these outdoor sort of courtyard venues but they've put all sorts of you know temporary structures yeah. up they've got a huge sort of barbecue thing that you can Great warm beer as well you course. can warm your backside on the beer's super dupe yep. yeah so you've got really interesting but quite varied and you know um i mean you got everything from a cricket club to the london, uh, to london excuse me liverpool philharmonic yeah um, the music room, just mm. to get a plug in for the music room. Yes, they, uh, they, you know, that tends to be, you know, sort of ticketed. Uh, but there have been some tremendous uh, players that we've seen there. Um, beautiful uh, room. It's yeah, just, yeah. It's got a ten foot Steinway and yeah. Um, Bill Lawrence played there. Yeah, he's he a did. 
He, he I mean, he, he, he's a snarky puppy, Ground Up Records, spin out. Now, the reason why I, we keep mentioning Ground Up Records and Snarky Puppy is that Jenny, who, yeah, uh, Jenny, Jenny Lamb, Genevieve, yes, who works with me and uh, part jazz, she's great friends with them. And oh, good. they're the well reason why they they come here. Sure. They, 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 they obviously take a dip in personal context. takings, you know. Well, um, uh, oh, yeah, they're not getting paid uh, what they deserve. But I, right. I will say this about Music Room, uh, only because I've um, been there a few times and I've mm. reviewed a concert in there, yeah. um, which was, well, two Augusts ago, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 19, August of 19. And it was a um, wonderful pianist, composer, um, who just finished his his um, course at um, Birmingham Conservatory. I have a wonderful jazz program there. This guy mm. called Ollie Chalk, mm. like chalkboard. And he had a, a quartet, uh, including an alto saxophonist, also based in Birmingham, called um, John O'Gallagher, who happens to be an old pal of mine from mm. New York. He's American as well. And the drummer was kind of local guy um, from the world, I think, initially, called um, Gwilym. Uh, Gwilym Jones. Yes. You might know him. I remember Gwilym coming when I think he was still studying. Yeah. yeah. And he used to come to Par Jazz. We've seen a lot of young musicians grow up and grow into, you know, significant roles nationally. And his father is a big jazz fan, but Mm. he's also a cellist with the Liverpool Philharmonic. Hmm. Um, He's got a very, well, uh, not Gareth Jones, but something... Gethin, Gethin Jones, sorry. I get those Mel- mm-hmm. Welsh names mixed up sometimes. Mm. Uh, and he's a big, big fan of the music. Uh, and um, so I'm just saying, I heard a quartet, and it was no, there was no PA required. There was a PA there, mm-hmm. but because of the natural acoustics of the room. It's this beautiful sort of cube, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And you get those sort of acoustics that just sound like you're almost inside the piano. Yeah. The thing about playing in a group like that, I should say in a venue like that, a room like that, it's different for what instrument you're playing. Hmm. But as a saxophone player, clarinet player, uh, it's quite nice not to require amplification. Well, the room is part of your instrument. In the end, all you're doing, you're just moving air around, aren't you? So Yeah. Um, it, it is unfortunate, though, because you have situations where the horn players or a string quartet is just... Mm. In in um in a complete happiness acoustically, but mm. then you get a amplifier turned up, or even a PA with a vocal, mm. or a drummer, which mm. is a different volume situation, mm-hmm. and you have to adapt your playing, which is not cool mm-hmm. because you're a drummer and you mm. want to put it on on hot when it's time to, <laughs> you know, and that to me is uh, something we struggle with. But mm. I will say uh, the non-ad my group, the non-ad nine-piece band was booked to play there last October, and of course mm-hmm. it got canceled. Oh, it will uh, happen again, though, won't we're, it? We're, we're, we're starting to uh, agitate for another date. Yeah, you need to. <laughs> uh, but I, I just wanted to share that that um, Liverpool is well-known for venues, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, incredible legacy with the um, Empire Theatre, there's the S- yeah. Epstein th- Theatre, there's obviously the Philharmonic, which we mentioned. The um, Philharmonic can seat 1,700 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a pretty tall order, you know. <laughs> I, I counted. Before before the pandemic uh, hit in, we regularly had uh, between 25 and 30 jazz gigs Amazing. every week. 
Amazing. In Merseyside. Now, this was including, you know, maybe a trad jazz band that you'd find in in Widnes Rugby Club. Sure. Um, or, or, you know, some a big touring act that was playing at the Philharmonic Hall. But that was a repeat every single week. Now, if those, if that was a rock scene, oh, that would be in the newspapers as having a whole new yeah. thing going on because there's not that many gigs yeah. in that genre for one genre. But of course, jazz is a hundred years old, so one type of jazz is quite different from another, except for its raw. Yeah. Basic ingredients of improvisation and great musicianship and creativity. Well, as we uh, sadly are, um, uh, thro- th- uh, what's the word, um, thrown into the um, situation of what's known as the tyranny of the clock, we're going to have to kind of wind down here, Johnny. As we do, I'm going to play a bit of Stanley Turrentine. Uh, this is Stanley Turrentine, one of the great saxophonists. I'm sure mm. you're a fan. And uh, let's just see what we got going here as we talk. Ah, here we go. Nice string introduction. This was recorded in 1968. Hey, Jude, baby. J- Johnny, I know yeah. you're a jazz drum nut. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is playing drums on this track? This is a tricky question. It's a little bit of a trick question. Sounds like my mum. The next best drummer to your mum. To my mum? Oh, um, well, there isn't one. She's way out there. Um, Sorry, I'm just being clever close. It's usually with a hairbrush on the back of my head when I've been... Uh, <laughs> Tell me that. That's the only other time I, I, I hear my middle name. <laughs> Here's the thing... Um, this arrangement um, was written by the great Thad Jones, who had a big mm. band. Mm. And, of course, his drummer was Mel Lewis. <laughs> so that's who's on drums. Isn't uh-huh. that great? Uh-huh. Not my mom. He sounds pretty good for a jazzer, doesn't he? Brilliant. So uh, just really want to thank you so much again for joining us today. Frank, it's been an absolute pleasure. So glad. And yeah. People we'll, we'll like you are a catalyst, you know. Yeah. You you make jazz happen. You play it, you promote it, you talk about it. Yeah. Well, I love talking, as you you might have a sense of that already. Yeah. But I think um, we need to form a, um, a mutual coalition of shouting the music from the rooftops. Mm. You know? And what better time on the reset? Mm. We're on the reset. Yeah. You know? And if we can manage to have a system of getting the word out mm-hmm. and it's not going to just be through the radio it's going to be through social media of course mm. I, I think social media is useful from the standpoint of the younger people or people who are just so have it wired into their into their DNA you mm-hmm. know? but for some of the older people they just can't be bothered with checking their phone every five minutes on some kind of Instagram or some sort of you know and uh, what we need here is a jazz listing that you can pick up at a, at a gig, mm-hmm. a piece of paper. Remember those? Mm-hmm. A little um, flyer type of thing, three or four pages. And it can include everything from Chester to Southport. You know? mm-hmm. It doesn't have to go into Manchester, although the more the merrier. Mm. You know? But but I think, what would we call it? The, the Merseyside something or the Northwest, you know, something that we can... Mm-hmm. So when people are listening to a jazz band like the... Um, 
that famous speakeasy bootleg band. Hey. Okay, now pretend they're just kind of dozing off a little bit, and they just want to have something to kind of take up their attention. They'll just pick up this jazz guide thing, mm-hmm. and they'll start leafing through it, and there'll be a, you know, an email address or a website or a phone number, mm-hmm. and they're away. But a lot of times people don't find out about the gig till after it's happened. I'm yeah. sure you guys have suffered with that. Oh school. yes, jazz par, uh, mm-hmm. par jazz. So. There's there's too many channels of communication at the moment, and there isn't a central point, and that's the difficulty. You know, we used to have listings. We used to have we used to have magazines that would come out every month, and it would tell you what's on, and then that was replaced by you know central listings websites. But that all went. And it's now just down to individual venues and bands promoting this stuff, and it's too disconnected. That's why you you miss great stuff. Um, what I think would help would be to have a permanent venue that you always know there's jazz on there uh, every you know every night of the week. Yeah. Um, because then you would go there and people would pass on what's coming, etc. We don't have a jazz club in Liverpool that's got things going right. every day of the week. We have bars that put jazz on um but they're not jazz bars it's no, a bar no. they they want to sell you a cocktail they're just putting jazz on because they think it might bring somebody who on a tuesday might buy a drink well i mean some of the most famous jazz clubs in the world have gone the same way mm-hmm. in as much as yeah. um the uh legendary ronnie scott's mm-hmm. which started in 1959 yep and it's, well, it's getting on to 60 years now, isn't mm-hmm. it? or maybe 70. Yeah. We're getting on to, uh, you know, well, 62 years, whatever. Not as old as a cavern, then. Not as old as me. But um, <laughs> what, what I'm saying is um, the day they opened mm. in Soho, mm. they had five, six nights a week to the same artist. Mm-hmm. So a week-long gig. Mm. And in many cases, you had... Uh, you had, you know, uh, people who um, would play there for a month, you know, mm. two mm. weeks, three weeks, a month. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, what would happen is they uh, um, slowly got more. The gigs got shorter. Mm. You know, they would just be a week. So anyway. Do you think it's because then that was the only way you could hear that music? Because it wasn't, there wasn't really the television, radio wasn't playing it. There was not that many records being pressed. People went out more. And people went out more. Yeah, I mean, people go to the cinema four days a week because they'd get their news. and they'd, Yeah. You know, um, it, it, it's a different era. We're not going to reinvent that. But what we are going to uh, see, I think, is people who really appreciate going out. Yeah. Because we've not been able to, have we? And we're missing it. Well, that's exactly what it is. It has to do with accessibility. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, so yeah, so so we're all kind of learning the hard way. Mm. But I just want to thank you again. Okay. And in one month's time, we'll be back, um, and we'll be continuing to share the news of upcoming gigs. Mm. And Johnny will, I'm sure, provide us with update on what's happening with Jess. I Par- promise Jess. I will tell you with a bit more tangible stuff. <laughs> okay. No, what's I'm, actually happening? Yeah, we'll have a lot to share uh, on a monthly basis. And I'm sure I'll get um, an equally uh, illustrious person um, to chat with me. This, this hour has gone by very quickly. And uh, this is The Jazz Cavern, your host, Frank Griffith, and 
We look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.